How many of that, did that bring back memories? Hey, will not you turn with me this morning to Psalm 127 real quick. I want to kick off by doing an introductory sermon on our series this morning. While you're turning there, let me just throw out a couple of announcements. First of all, don't forget men. We have our men's fishing trip coming up on the 6th of May. There's three spots left, so stop by the hub if you want to go fishing with us to Cedar Creek Lake on uh, Friday, May 6th. And then the last one is this, and I'll talk more about later. I just want to seed it with you. Uh, most of you know we've been doing mission trips uh, for years. I started taking a group from the church since in 1997, and we've been going every year a couple times a year out of the country. Uh, now that COVID, things seem to be opening up a little bit. We're going to be going to Nassau, Bahamas. It was a project I looked at uh, a few years ago. They're in Nassau. It's building a church, and uh, that project is available and open. And so we're looking at September the 17th to the 24th. Uh, we will leave. It's a Saturday to Saturday going to uh, Nassau. It's about $1,400 plus meals. We'll have more information later, but I want to seed that with you now. I want to get right into the Word because we do have a lot of things going on today. As you can see, we're going to kick off a new series today entitled Family Matters, God's, uh, God's Blueprint for Building a Godly Home. And, and I'm doing this because how many understand family matters? Family is very important. And, and so today I want to preach God's initiative. God's initiative. Uh, Psalm 127, this is one of the Psalms of Ascent. This is by Solomon. Here's what, he, here's what he says. I'm just going to do one verse. It says, unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Let's read that again. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. May the Lord add his blessing to his word this morning. Two years ago, prior to COVID shutting down, many of you would remember that I actually started a new series uh, on the family. Because here's the thing, I'm concerned about the family today. Uh, I was concerned two years ago, and I'm even more concerned today. Uh, and, and I think it's important that we understand that there is a crisis in families. Uh, there's a, there's a cri- and it would be one thing for us to come in here and talk about what's going on out there, but the crisis has not eluded the church. There's a crisis in the church when it comes to families. And, and so for the next several weeks, I'm going to talk about the family. Uh, many of you know that uh, when you start talking about a family, God designed the family unit to be one of nurture, one of love, as you saw in this sketch there just a few moments ago. God designed this family for there to be the relationships where we love one another, where we come and are free to be ourselves. And and, and that's God's design of the family. And yet today, there's nothing more fragmented and dysfunctional than the American family. Uh, and so for the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at this new series that I've titled Family Matters because family matters. Uh, how many believe that? Amen. If we believe that, then, the, then we should go back to the one who created the idea of the family unit. Now, I mentioned this in the early service. If you want to know where the family came from, go all the way back to creation. When we start talking about the family, you have to understand this is, the family was not man, an initiative of a man, it was a God initiative. You go back to the Garden of Eden, everything we know about the Garden of Eden was that it was the utopia that we so much desire in our world today. It's that place that we want that has everything man could absolutely desire. God created a perfect place and, and he put inside of the crown of his creation, Adam and Eve, 
And he gave them dominion over all of his creation. And he told them to be fruitful and to multiply. And the Bible says in the evening he would come down and he would fellowship with them. He had communion with them. That was always God's design. That's why God's not willing that any perish, but that all come to repentance. Because God wants a relationship with us. Well, as it goes, you know the story well. Adam and Eve were given this vast land of, of, of utopia with everything they could even uh, imagine and more. And yet God gave them one prohibition. And they could not live with that one prohibition. And they sinned against God and, God. and it severed that relationship. And God had to kick them out of that garden. The thing I want you to understand is that Garden of Eden was paradise. It was utopia. And when God kicked them out of the garden, the only thing God allowed them to take out of paradise was the relationship, the family. What that tells me is that God has planned that our families be paradise. In this fallen world that we live in, our families are designed by God to be a place of utopia, if you will, a place where there is love and acceptance and joy and peace and, uh, and, and maturity and things like that. And, and that's the design of godly family. Again, one of the reasons I wanted to do the bottles, bibs, and more uh, giveaway right after services because I love families. I'm a family man. Some of you might remember, there were very few of you here my very first Sunday, but uh, when I became pastor in 1993, I stood up here. Anybody remember that big old, we had a big old pulpit up here that probably weighed 900 pounds. It was huge. In fact, you could hide behind it. And I stood up here one day and I said, because my, my family was young, my daughter was four, my son was 18 months old, and I stood here and I looked out to the 30 people that were here that day, and I said, if this church ever gets in the way of my family, I will leave. I will leave. And I meant it. Because what does it profit a man if he gains everything at the expense of his own family or his soul? And I meant it. I meant it that my first and foremost ministry was to my family. Because in my mind, the way I looked at parenting was I had one, I had one major responsibility, and that was to, I had 18 years to teach my children to love Jesus. And I had 18 years to teach them and to model for them what it was to love Jesus. And that was my priority, and I meant it. If, if this church ever got in, my, in the way of my family, I would have walked out the door. Because my ministry starts first and foremost at home. See, today in our culture, we want superstar pastors that, that have all of this glamour and all of this fame and stuff on, on, on the media side of it, but their homes are a wreck. And, and that's not God. That's not God. We love families. I love families. Bethel Temple has invested a lot in building families over the past 25 years. And I have this little saying, every time I check in here at Bethel Temple uh, to, to say I'm attending service, like I'd miss, but anyway... Uh, I have this little saying, and if you've ever seen my check-in, it says this, building family legacies one family at a time. Because I believe that. Building family legacies one family at a time. Because I believe that families are vital to us today. And to our guests here today and those who have tuned in today, listen, you're important to us. Your families are important to us. And, and I'm looking forward to this series over the next several weeks. Now, one thing is clear today. The family unit has changed a lot in my lifetime. I'm 56 years old, and uh, wow, that just sounds really, when I say it like that, <laughs> uh, somebody, I, you know, we're, ce we're celebrating 29 years pastoring here. Somebody said, 29 years? And I said, yeah, I was 12 when I started. Uh, 
But, yeah, I was 50, 56. The family unit has changed a lot in my lifetime. How, about, how many of you agree with that? Amen. You know, for the most part, the, the modern family is out of control. I'll say that again. The modern family today is out of control, and, and that parent-child relationship and that husband-wife relationship, it's very unhealthy in most families. Um, in 2020, prior to COVID, well, actually, during 2020, here's the, here's the stat I found. In 2020, almost 20 million children were ra- being raised in single-parent homes. That's almost one-third of all children in the United States being raised in single-parent homes. You see, the thing that concerns me about the family, I'm concerned when every nine seconds a child drops out of school. I'm concerned about the family when every 10 seconds a child is reported to be abused or neglected. I'm, I'm concerned about the family when every 15 seconds a child is arrested. I'm concerned about the family when every 36 seconds a child is born to a teen mother. I'm concerned when every 60 seconds a baby is born to a teen mom. I'm concerned when every three minutes a child is arrested for drug abuse. I'm concerned when every four minutes a child is arrested for an alcohol-related offense. I'm concerned when every 23 minutes a child is wounded by gunfire. And see, our society's got it so backwards, we want to blame the gun, but not the attitude that got to the gun. Do we understand that? It's not a gun problem. It's a family problem. It's a family problem. Every year, almost 1.8 million children are reported missing in this country. Several years ago, actually many years ago, I served on the Dallas Life Teen Challenge Board for several years. This is a wonderful program that was started by David Wilkerson. And Serving on the board, we had many opportunities to get involved in several different initiatives. And I remember one, some of you might remember, know this place well. If you're driving east, east on I-20, right there at Lancaster, if you're going to go north to the VA center, the VA hospital, there's a truck stop that's right there. That truck stop is known even today for two things, or three things. Drugs, prostitution, and sex trafficking of minor children. And 20 years ago... There was a lady that came to our, one of our board meetings and she had this idea of creating a ministry. To my knowledge, it's still happening today where they go in on the weekends, they go into this truck stop area and they rescue prostitutes and they rescue trafficked women and girls. I'm concerned when we see things like that. Do you know the Super Bowl when it took place in Arlington not long ago, they talked about how many people were going to be trafficked during the Super Bowl. Listen, in the United States, children are more apt to die from abuse than they are from accidents. It's not a pretty picture. Marriages are falling apart. Families are disintegrating before our eyes. The family crisis, and here's why I don't you understand and why this series is so important to me. The family crisis is wreaking havoc in this nation. Please understand, when you turn the television on and you watch these news reports and you see gun violence in the street, and you see the rioting and the chaos that's, uh, that has ensued all across this country, it is not a legislative problem. It is not a welfare problem. It is a family problem. And the answer is not going to be to pass more legislation, to send out more checks from printed money that we're printing in the, in the basement 
of a Capitol building. That's not the answer. And I'm being quite facetious, but you understand what I'm talking about. The answer is not more checks being sent out. It's not more free this and free that. The answer is we need a revival in the families of America. That's what's going on in the streets of our country. Again, let's, let's talk about the family. Where did the idea of family come from? Well, again, it goes back to the very beginning of creation when God created Adam and Eve. Genesis 1.28, he put them in the garden, and he said, be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. And we know the story. I just shared with you what happened to them. In reality, that first family got off to a rocky start. Would you, would you agree with me? They got to, off to a rocky start. I mean, the first brother, the brothers, the older brother killed the younger brother. I mean, they had a rocky start. But... From that time on, families have been the very basic building block of society. If you've ever taken a a sociology class in college, you understand that the family structure is the fabric and the foundation of a civilized society. Now, I've had this saying, I've been saying this for years. The world is sick because the church is sick. And the church is sick because families are sick. And the families are sick... Because the marriages are sick. Follow me. You heal the marriage, you heal the family. You heal the family, you heal the church. You heal the church, you change the world. You see, that's why I'm saying this this stuff that's going on that we see in society, the acting out and and, and all of this, I feel like sometimes I woke up in bizarre world. All of this stuff that we see, it is directly, there's a correlation between the the, the dysfunction of the family and what you see happening in our streets. This is why it's important. So many people today want to complain about what they see in society, but they fail to recognize that as families go, so goes society. If you want to make a contribution to your community, Cleburne, Joshua, Crowley, Fort Worth, Alvarado, wherever you might be from, if you want to make a positive contribution to your society and to your community, Build your family. Strengthen your family because that helps. I think about our teachers. And and listen, when I was a kid, and I'm not going to give you too many of those reminiscent reminiscent stories, but I can remember when I was a kid, you know what? My dad, the teacher was always right. If I came home with a note that said Mike acted out, which was pretty frequent, (laughs) guess what? I couldn't go and say, Daddy, that teacher just don't like me. They're always picking on me. I did, they didn't coddle me and say, poor fella, let me go down there and have my, let me have my Jesus, come to Jesus meet with those teachers. I, that didn't happen. You know what my dad did? He said, boy, there's a peach tree out there. I want you to go grab a switch. Now, I'm not a spouse and beating your kid. I'm, he, my dad didn't beat me. I'm done. But, I'm, but my dad said, boy, your job is to sit in that class, keep your mouth shut, and you learn. And if you disrupt that class, I'm going to disrupt you. If I got spanked at school, which was a little more frequent than I liked, (laughs) I got spanked at home. And my parents didn't run down to the principal's office to try to defend me and try to jump in the face of the teacher, the principal. They sided with them. Boy, hasn't things changed. As the families go... So goes society. Families are important. And and more than that, your family's important. Your family's important. See, it's pretty easy for us to talk in generalizations and talk about all these families, but you need to make it personal because your family matters. 
I don't care if you are on your honeymoon and things are still uh, sugar and spice and all that's nice, or, or you're actually the roses and you're ready to just take each other out. doesn't matter where you are. Your family matters. It's important. And I understand families are different, okay? I understand that. Some, some do better than others, but families are important. I, I love this quote from Dr. Tony Evans. Here's what he said, and I quote. He said, if your house has a damaged foundation, it doesn't matter how much spackle you use. Cracks will keep on reappearing. In the same way, a family can't succeed if you're not maintaining its foundation. Did you get that? How many of you have had cracks in your house and you've gone and you've, you've plastered some spackle on the wall and you've prayed that that thing, with, you know, you got company coming over and you go and you patch that thing and you know what? Six months down the road, that crack's reappearing. Why? Because you didn't deal with the root issue. You see, our society is very good at putting spackle on things and pretending like it's fixed. But as time elapses, that crack reappears and if, you, if it's not dealt with, gets wider and wider to the point, to the point that the house could be in danger of falling. How many of us put Band-Aids on relational issues in the family, husband and wife things, rather than actually working things out? We galvanize ourselves in our position. The crack remains, and we put on this little Band-Aid saying, this would be all right. You know, we never deal. You understand what I'm talking about? Same thing with parent-child relationships. Listen, I've often said a, a biblical family, and here I want you to hear this this morning. A biblical family begins with each person's commitment to God. It begins there. Like, 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 like I often say, if that vertical relationship is off, that horizontal relationship is off. Here's my marriage 101. If I have a couple that comes in, either for marital counseling or maybe a premarital counseling, here's my, here's my session 101, and it's real simple. Husband, you're to be a husband as unto the Lord first. Your relationship with him. Wife, you're to be a wife as unto the Lord first. So God has lined out specific roles. Husband, you are to love your wife as Christ loved the church. What did he do for the church? He gave himself for her. That means your wife is not an afterthought. She's forethought. Wife, your responsibility is to honor your husband and to serve him. So here's the thing. When a husband meets, when a husband meets the need of the wife and the wife meets the needs of the husband, guess what? You have harmony. You have harmony. Hey, guys, that's where we want to be. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> we, we want to be there. But when one decides or both decides that my needs are more important than his or hers, guess what? All of a sudden you have disharmony. You have disharmony. You have broken the continuity of the relationship as under God. You have broken that. You have fractured that relationship. And so now you have conflict in the home because one or both have decided that I'm more important than he or she is. And you've broken it. And you will be at odds with each other until that is repaired. I did a men's conference. Most of you know about Sheila. Uh, I've served my wife now for 10 years. And again, I pushed. She, she got home. She'd been at her mom's for the last week. And she got home last night and... I'd been without her. I've been batching it all week. And so I got home, and if I wanted to walk around the house, you know, comfortable, I'll just put it that way. 
I could walk around comfortable. I didn't have to, I know some of you are like, TMI, 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 you know. But, but I didn't have anything to worry about. I could go home if I want to lay on the couch and, and, and watch Beavis and, well, I'm just, no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I didn't have anything to do. Sheila gets home. I get her in her high-dollar chair, you know, that thing's like a, it's like a Rolls Royce of, of chairs. She's sitting there, and I'm sitting down, and I'm just getting comfortable after unloading the car and getting all her belongings up. And she said, Mike, can you bring me a Coke? I said, I hadn't heard that all week. <laughs> I get her a Coke. I go sit back down, and about five minutes later, Mike, can you bring me some popcorn? I hadn't heard that. And then, Mike, I need, and I'm like, I hadn't heard that in a week. I'm being facetious, obviously. But here's the thing. Prior to Sheila having her stroke 10 years ago, if I was, going to be, if I was called upon to do something, whether it be go on a trip, I've served on a lot of missions boards, if it was go overseas or wherever, here's what I'd do. I'd walk in and I would say, uh, hey, uh, Tom, my good friend Tom. Tom called me and they want me to speak at this event. I'm going to go this, this, this date here. So, so here's the difference. I would say this is what I'm going to do. Didn't ask her. I just informed her what I was going to do. When she had her stroke, now all of a sudden things changed. Because now when somebody calls me and says, hey, can you come and do this? I've, I've got a gala I've got to speak at uh, later on this, this week. And, and so the first thing I have to think about is this. Who's going to take care of my wife? First thing I think of. Who's going to serve her? Who's going to meet her needs? Because I can't just up and... So, so again, you understand what I'm talking about. If a husband meets the needs of the wife and the wife meets the needs of the husband, you have harmony. I was speaking at a men's conference in West Virginia. Uh, it's been a few years ago, and, and I, about 250 men, and I'm talking about my story, my relationship with Sheila, and I, and I make this comment. I said, if I were to walk into my wife and say, Honey, I think I'm going to buy an acre on the moon, what do you think she would do? What do you think she would say? Well, of course, you got a bunch of guys there. So they start throwing things out that Sheila would say. So uh, I said, now, here's what Sheila would say. If I walked in there and said, Sheila, I'm going to buy an acre on the moon, she would say, whatever you think, sweetheart. And I said, you know why? I said, because at that time it had been seven years. I said, because for seven years I have served her every need. I get up in the morning, I get her clothes out, I get her out of bed, I get her in the bathroom, I get her medicine laid out, I get her breakfast done, I get her situated for the day, I come up here to the office, at lunchtime I go home, I get her lunch, I get her squared away for the afternoon, I come back up here to the church, I finish up what I'm doing, I go home, I cook dinner, I get all her night meds and all the other things that are going on, then I get her in bed. I do that every single day, have been for 10 years. So here's the thing, my wife knows that she can trust me. I tell her she better because I'm going to lock her wheels and walk away. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You know that, right? But she trusts me. And I said, here's the deal. Some of you men want your wife to trust you when you've never given her a reason to trust you. Listen, when we learn to meet one another's needs, there we find harmony. That fighting, that bickering, that fussing, it all stems from a broken relationship with God. If the vertical connection is right, this is right. If this is wrong, none of this will be right. None of it will be right. You know, our earthly families, amen, that's a good place to do that. If this is not right, nothing else is going to be right. Our earthly families are intended to be a reflection 
of God's unconditional love that he has for the lost humanity. My relationship should, say, should be a witness to people around us that there's a God in heaven who loves me without condition. Marriage is a covenant designed to, by God to enable both of the individuals, the husband and the wife, to live out their divine destiny. See, here's the thing I found with Sheila before she got sick. You know, we're, we're different, you know. I mean, how many understand that? We're different. Sheila and I, we are absolutely different. She's loud and center of attention all the time. Okay, you, and I lie a lot. <laughs> now, so, so here's what we found. 35 years of marriage, we found this. Her weakness is my strength. And her weakness, no, what did I say? My weakness is her strength and her weakness is my strength. And you know what we do? We complement each other. See, we live in a world that takes differences, whether it be racial, economic, educational, whatever. We use these things as a divisive thing when God never intended. God intended them to be complementary. Complementary. And we've learned that. James Dobson used to talk about how certain artists are known for their various creations. Michelangelo, for instance, is known for what? The Sistine Chapel, the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. Beethoven is known for? Fifth Symphony. Yes, Fifth Symphony. Uh, who else? George Lucas. Star Wars. Yeah. He's known. I mean, again, they're artists or not. So God makes himself known. The master artist reveals himself in Genesis 1 and 2 when he designs this creation out of nothing. The Bible says all things were created by him and for him, and without him there is nothing made that is made. So he creates all of this, and in the midst of all of this, he creates man, and he says it is very good. So God's handiwork is seen in the family. There are two essentials to the two essential elements of the family, marriage and parenthood. And there's nothing that reveals God's character like that. The love of a husband and a wife provides a glimpse of God's passionate devotion to the bride. And you know what? When you how many of you in your family have ups and downs? Yeah. Those ups and downs are designed to show the patience and long-suffering of our God. As we try to figure each other out, God's long-suffering is shown as we learn how to love one another. How many of you ever met somebody that was unlovable? Yeah. The only way you can do that is to learn how to love within your family. How many know sometimes your family can make you angrier than just about anybody on the planet? Yeah. See, I mean, I'm moving heaven right there. I'm just... I mean, think about it. We get in a family argument, and we're sitting there fussing like cats and dogs, and somebody, you know, we're, I mean, we're raising our voice, and we're yelling and doing all that stuff, and the phone rings, Hello. We do that. Some of you are laughing because it's hitting you. Where it goes. Hey, if the shoe fits, where it if not kick it down the road. It fits somebody, right? We have, that, we have those challenges, but it's designed to show us the patience of God. Listen, even Jesus was born in the context of the family. Jesus grew within the context of the family. In fact, Luke chapter 2 says Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor of, with God and with men. How did he do it? In the context of family. Because family matters. Listen, as I wrap this up this morning, our children need to know that God has a special purpose by placing them in a family. One of the things that breaks my heart more than anything today is to hear a teenager or a young child say, my parents don't really love me. Or to hear one say, you know what, I was told I was an accident, I was an oops, I was unplanned. 
And I remind them all the time, listen, there is no such thing in the economy of God. You were born on purpose, with purpose, regardless of the circumstance of your birth. Amen. And, and again, up to this point, it doesn't really matter how life has been because today could be the turning point. Listen, the trajectory of your life may have go, be going this way. Guys, come on back. I'm going to wrap this up. The trajectory of your life may be this way, but today you can change it right now and start soaring. Because there's still hope for the family. Listen, God's not silent. God has given us tools and resources and instructions for you and I to prepare our families. This book right here is a lamp unto our feet. It is a light unto our path. It will tell us how to raise good children. It will tell us how to be a good husband, a good wife. It will tell us how to be a good son or good daughter. Through Moses. Through Moses. And we'll talk about this later in the next couple of weeks. God gives us very plain instructions on how to raise godly children in a perverted world. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk to them. Listen to Here it goes. Talk about them when you sit at home, important, the demise of the family started when we quit have breaking bread at the family dinner table. These devices, and I'm not a, I'm not a prude and I'm not a fuddy-dud, but listen, there ought to be time when the family has family. Whether you, spe- whether you plan a special game night or, or whether you make a rule that when you get home and we're ready to have dinner, you put that that phone or that device, you put it in a bucket, and it doesn't come out again until we've had our family time. Because listen to me, the world's not going to teach them how to be a believer. They're not going to get their, their the message of hope from Hollywood or from some actor or for some artist or from some athlete. They're not going to get it. They're going to get it from parents, and we'll talk about this next week. But God's plan for the family is that that family unit be that institution that teaches the next generation how to love God. And then they do the same thing to the next generation and the next generation. The family is about raising godly people in a perverted world. He said, you talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. What is he saying? Every chance you get, you tell your children about Jesus. My dad was not a pastor. My, fo- my grandfather was his dad, but it skipped his, that generation. My dad was a 35-year firefighter and then had his own construction business on the side. My dad was not a pastor, but he, he, did, he was a preacher because he preached to me every day of my life until I left home. And my dad didn't know anything about hermeneutics and hermeneutics and all the other edicts and all that stuff. He didn't know anything about that. He, had one me- he didn't know what eschatology meant, but he had one message, and that was this. Boy, Jesus is coming, and you better be ready. And when I left home and I ran away from home as a, as a, a 17-year-old brat, punk kid in 11th grade, lived out in the world and did all that stuff that everybody said I needed to do, you know what? The only message I remember is my dad saying, boy... Jesus is coming and you better be ready. And that message got me to where I am today. He said, you sit around and you talk about those things. You talk about scripture. Listen, there are a lot of things that are going on in our culture today. We need parents. 
Who would have thought that we live in a world today that where you get to choose your own pronoun? Again, I, I'm not jumping on the soapbox, but I want you to understand, where's the voice of the church? Where's the voice of the church in this crazy, mixed-up world where kids today are confused? Who's the author of confusion? It's not God. It's not God. I'm not going to go on that soapbox, but I'm telling you, later on, I'm going, to do, I'm going to do a series. I'm going to get into hot topics for hot times, and we're going to talk about it. Because the church needs to sound a... The Bible says if you blow a trumpet, if the trumpeter blows a sound that is indistinguishable, how will they know? If the church doesn't stand up and start speaking to the culture in which we live right now, right, wrong, we need to start telling people what God's plan and purpose is for the family. It's time. You know what? And we may never see the thousand active members because pre I've had people say, Pastor, you preach too hard. Well, you know what? I would rather preach too hard and get to heaven and have somebody say, you know what? Because you were hard and, and dogmatic on that stuff, I'm in heaven. I don't want anybody to ever look at me and say, why didn't you tell me the truth? I don't want that. I want to be like Paul and said, my hands are clean of the blood of all men. Listen, Moses, God through Moses said, you know what? You sit around with your family. You talk about the things of God. Listen, be careful about how much extracurricular stuff you get, let your kids get involved in. If it detracts from their relationship with the Lord, if it takes them away from the fellowship of the brethren, the body, then you need to be very, very cautious about what you're doing. You get one shot, one shot to raise those kids to love Jesus. He said, tie them as symbols on your hands, bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your homes and on your gates. Listen, I close with this. There's hope for the family. There's hope for the family. There's hope for your family. Listen, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what your family dynamic is like. Listen, I understand there's unique situations for single families, single parent homes. There's unique situations for blended families. Listen, all of those bring a different dynamic. But you know what? There's still hope. There's still hope for those. And the church needs to be a part of that hope. There are people here that will help and that will walk alongside of you. I want you to stand with me. If you're here this morning to be baptized, guys, go right ahead to my right, your left. Ladies, if you're here to be baptized, if you'll go over here to my, to my left, your right. We're going to spend a little bit of time in prayer as they get ready. Listen, this is a very exciting time. I love this. I love baptizing. I love being a part of people finding Jesus. Listen, most of you know my story. Somebody took time to intervene in my life when it was in a very chaotic place. And because they were willing to model faith, I am here today. I'm going to do a couple things while they get ready. And again, if you're, I know we have some that are here for the giveaway. We'll be doing that right after this. Again, I, I'm looking forward to the opportunity to give and bless families. We love families. Families are near and dear to me. I used to have people that would question me when my children, I raised my children, they would say, well, you just think your kids are perfect and they never do anything wrong. And I said, I know better than that. See, as a parent, I can sit there and criticize all day long if I wanted to, but I didn't want to. See, my job wasn't to tell them how bad they were. My job was to remind them of the potential that I saw in each of them. And so I called that positive parenting. I bragged on what I knew they could be. 
not what I saw. Every once in a while, I did tell my daughter she was mean. <laughs> Today, parents, because there's a crisis of the family, how many of you ever been in Walmart or a restaurant and you've seen a, you've seen a mom absolutely lose it or a, a dad become just enraged, yelling and screaming at their children. See, today our culture has taught discipline uh, that, that our children are an interruption and that we discipline out of anger because they, they, uh, they've made us uncomfortable or they inconvenienced us. Do you know discipline is not designed for your feelings at all? If you discipline out of anger, that's abuse. It is absolute abuse. If your child makes you mad and you backhand them, that's abuse. Discipline is designed for correction. I remember my grandfather and I, we are going to pray. I'm giving them a little bit of time. One time my, my daughter, was before Dakota was born, my mother was in the hospital. We'd gone down there and, and one of the rare times, I'm just going to be very transparent, one of the rare times in the hospital, I don't even remember the whole situation. I just remember the encounter with my grandfather. Something she did, I don't remember, but anyway, I had to, I had to spank daddy's girl. <laughs> uh, I, had to, I had to discipline my daughter. As soon as I disciplined her, I picked her up. Because, see, she's the daddy's girl. And that broke her heart. Even now, I could probably look at her in a way, and she'd probably melt. And she could do the same to me, because, I mean, daddy's girl and mama's boy. Dakota, same with Sheila. But I remember picking her up, sitting her on my knee. And I said, sweetheart, this is why daddy had to do what daddy did. My grandfather looks at me and he says, boy, he said, don't you be coddling that girl. You don't need to be doing that. And I looked at him and I said, I said, Papa, I said, she needs to understand why I did what I did. If I just arbitrarily backhand, I didn't backhanders. <laughs> I'm going I'm to use that as I never did. I'm not, I, I'm just, if I arbitrarily backhand somebody and I don't tell them why, how's that discipline? How's that corrective? It's not. And so I took the time to say, hey, sweetheart, this is why I had to do what I had to do. And as she aged and Dakota aged, our, our discipline had to change with them. I'm just saying there's hope for the family. There's hope for your family. There's hope for you online this morning. Maybe this has hit you like a, a ton of bricks and you say, Pastor, what do I do? I'm in a crisis right now. Maybe you're in a blended family and things are very tense. I understand that. It's a unique situation. Maybe you're a single parent. You say, Pastor, I don't, I, I'm at wit's end. Listen, don't absent yourself from the body. This is where God has organized a place to help. Here's what I'm going to do this morning. I'm going to hush. But as they sing this song this morning, and, and I'm going to ask you to do something very bold and very brave in the balcony on the main floor, wherever you may be. Say, Pastor, you know what? I need God to help me with my family. Maybe you're a grandparent raising your grandchild. Maybe you're a grandparent and you see what's going on with your children and your grandchildren. You say, Pastor, I need, I need a miracle in my family. I'm going to live, I need my family. As we sing, would you come forward this morning and let us pray? Let us pray this morning. Let's kick off this series in a very positive way.
Come on, if you need prayer this morning, if you want somebody to stand with, in with your family, come on, we'll pray with you this morning. No judgment here. No judgment here. We're for you today. partners down here. Let me get some folks to come pray with these here this morning.
I want to I want to do this this morning. I want to pray over every family here. Those that came down this morning, those that are watching today online. As we start this series, listen, I, I'm asking God for revelation that helps somebody out, that takes a family that's fragmented and, and broken and knits that thing together, no longer is putting spackle on the problem, but tearing it down to its core and rebuilding. You know, Jesus told a parable about two men who built a house. One built the house on the sand, and the Bible said the waves came and the wind and and it and it 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 blew the house down but then one built it on the rock and even though it was tattered and torn it still remained that's what a godly family does i want to pray as before we do the baptism father right now in the name of jesus i thank you that you initiated the idea of the family it was your design not ours and lord if we're going to build a strong firm foundation for our family it begins with you it begins with my personal relationship with you it begins each individual being right with you I pray this morning for the families that are here and those that have tuned in today father I pray that you would let this be the beginning point of a revival in the families Lord there's so much pressure today there's so much chaos around our families but Lord Lord you you guard the city unless the Lord builds the house unless the Lord guards the city. Lord, you station those sentinels around. Lord, you send, uh, Lord, your Holy Spirit to dwell within us, Lord. I pray that you would help us today to right the ship and start sailing the way you want us to be. Lord, I pray put a hedge around our families, around our minds. May we tune off, uh, tune out the voices of the world and turn to the one that truly matters. I bless each family right now in Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated for a few moments this morning. Pastor Devin. Good morning. Uh, My name is Pastor Devin. I'm the associate pastor here, and I'm honored to be able to officiate this part of our service. This is one of my favorite parts of ministry, my favorite things to do in ministry, because it is such a public expression. So much of our faith is private and personal, but this is a day that the participants here have made a private confession. They're going to make a public confession today and be baptized in front of you. You know, I believe that whenever somebody is baptized, that there is rejoicing in heaven. And can I tell you that whenever heaven rejoices, there's nothing quiet about it. And so today, as you are participants and as you are witnesses of this this time, I would ask that let's show Cleburne, Texas a little glimpse of what heaven looks like today. So when they come out of the water, let's get loud. Let's celebrate this expression of faith. So we're going to start today with Ronnie Burris. Ronnie, if you would come on down. Rodney, have you received Jesus Christ into your heart? Yes, sir. And do you confess that he will be the king of your life from this day forward? Then Rodney, because of your confession of faith and your public declaration, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Casey McBee, Casey McBee. (laughs) 
it's always a, a blessing to see the young ones get baptized. That's just so, so cool to see that God's already doing something in their hearts. Casey, have you received Jesus Christ in your heart? And have, do you confess that he will be your king from this day forward? Then Casey, because of your confession of faith and your public declaration, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right. Next we have John Griffith. John? John, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. And do you confess that from this day forward he will be your king and you will obey and serve him? Then John, uh, because of your confession of faith and your public declaration, I baptize you in the name of the Father. Plug your nose. Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Next, we have Hadley Salazar. Oh, I'm sorry. We're going to change that up. We are going to have Ashley McBee come on down. Ashley, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. And do you confess that he is your king and you will serve him and obey him from this day forward? Yes. Then, Ashley, because of your confession of faith and your public declaration, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All right, next we have Brandon Jones. Brandon Jones. Brandon, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. And do you confess that he will be your king to serve and obey from this day forward? Yes. Then, Brandon, because of your confession of faith and your public declaration, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All right, next we have Marissa McDonald. Have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. And do you confess him as the king of your life from this day forward? Yes. Then, Marissa, because of your confession of faith and your public declaration, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Next, we have Rodney Poole. Rodney, have you received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? And do you confess him as king of your life to serve and obey from this day forward? Then, Rodney, because of your confession of faith and your public declaration, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> All right, Reagan Montgomery. I'm sorry, Amanda Poole. Amanda Poole first. we had changed our list a little bit. Amanda, do you receive, have you received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? 
And do you confess him to be king of your life to serve and obey from this day forward? And because of your confession of faith and your public declaration, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now we have Reagan Montgomery. Again, have you received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? And do you confess that he is king of your life from this day forward? Then, Reagan, because of your confession of faith and your public declaration, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Got it? Layla Burris. Layla, have you received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? And do you confess that he is king of your life from this day forward? And Layla, because of your confession of faith and your public declaration, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amy Holland. Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? And do you confess that he is king of your life from this day forward? And because of your public declaration and your confession of faith, I baptize you now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that will conclude our baptism service. Do we have one more? I'm sorry, we didn't get on the list. Come on down. Hadley, I'm sorry, that was the one that I mentioned earlier. This is Hadley. Hadley, have you received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? And do you confess that he is king of your life from this day forward? And because of your confession of faith and your public declaration, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are good, right? Okay. That will conclude our baptism portion of the service. Thank you all for being a part. It was a blessing. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise one more time. Go ahead and stand. Amen. 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 What a, what a delight. What a joy. What a joy it's been today. Hey, I love you with all of my heart. I'm looking forward to a great series. Right now, we're going to dismiss, and if you're a mom here or recent mom, expectant mom, we're going to dismiss you to go right on in. There's uh, Re uh, Rebecca Harris, the lady that was in the drama. She'll meet you at the hub and take you right on in where you can start picking up items that you need. Uh, and then uh, we've got some more that will be coming. But thank you for being here. Love you very much. Father, we thank you for a great day today. We celebrate the family. We celebrate victory through Christ. Go with us now. Give us a great day in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. I love you, Marriage. Thank you for being with us today. I'll see you next time.